Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. We're going to compare and contrast baseball sets, mainly the flagship sets. We're not necessarily going to throw either one of them under the bus. Each one has something to recommend it, but we're going to just talk about what we like about those and maybe pick a preference. But thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions and Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Each one of those, Rich, probably could be their own episode, but I've got an angle here. I think most people would pick the 75 set as a better set over 74, but I wouldn't be so dismissive of 74. 74 has strengths that 75 doesn't have. It has all the variations. If you really do a master set of 74, you can struggle to find all the cards. It's got the Washington National Leaguers. It's got the 599 where... All the other, Apodaco, unlike the other... Apodaco? No, that's 608. Oh, 608. 599 is Dave Frizzlebean, where interestingly, oh. the Washington variety is much more common than either the San Diego varieties, where you have one in small print and one in large print. Right. And then you have 654 Jesus Alou with the no outfield on front. So you have varieties, and if you consider the team checklist part of the set, you have them, and I'm speaking about stuff you don't really need to delve into, but they either have one or two asterisks on the back. So the complexity of 74 is more than what is uh, originally thought, because it, it's a pretty easy set to get in a non-master sense. It's a very easy set because there are still factory sets out there because they did factory sets for J.C. Penney in 74. That I keep was, thinking that was Sears. It was J.C. Penney. But it was a catalog. But it was item. a catalog item. Yeah. So there were occasionally you do see a factory set. So they exist in factory set form. Not a lot, but they're there. And it's cool to know that's a factory set of 74 and not the presentation sets they did, which in a sense was factory sets, but those were so limited. These were mass marketed. And 74 is also the first set of the all series together. 73, it was the experiment. It worked. Tops realized, maybe we have something here by doing all the cards at once. And maybe that'll help us keep people busy all year long instead of trying to limit how many cards from each series we do. So I'm a big fan of a lot of the complexities of 74. It's fascinating because the Washington National Leaguers are only the first three series. So it's right, wild. Right, the 396, yeah, yeah. Part of me wishes they had done all five series because then you'd have a Dave Winfield Washington National League rookie card, which would have been very interesting mm-hmm. when Winfield was at his hobby most popularity. That would have been a tough card. That would have been a really tough card. But you haven't mentioned two things that I think are really cool about 74. Is One is the Aaron. Yes. Uh, oh, I forgot the Aaron, Aaron specials. And if you bring in the Opichi, that's, those are super cool, I think, when they actually change the design. But those first six or seven cards of Aaron. And then I still think it's one of Willie Mays' most interesting cards of the World Series card. He's, I guess, retired by 74. Yes. But it's showing him in action during the World Series. And that card has finally caught up on Price Guide and other popularity. Yeah. I used to buy those cards forever. It's his last active card. Right. If you, I bought yeah. those cards forever. And they would be in commons bins. Yeah. And I'd be thrilled. Oh, I'll take all of those. He's not identified on the front, only on the back. He's really not identified either place. You have mm-hmm. to know that's Willie Mays. Thankfully, if you're a baseball fan, you will yeah. know who Willie Mays is yeah. and you will buy that card. Okay. But I used to have a lot of them. They're all gone now. People have been slowly snapping them up over the last year. What about condition sensitivity? It's not... I think 75 is a little more condition sensitive because Because of the the color. Yes. Except the centering, I think, is worse on 74. Oh, 74 centering is terrible. Yeah. But the chipping would be worse. But the chipping is... Yeah. So it's it's a mix. 
about and 75 has a much better rookie card class. 74 is Dave Winfield in the Hall of Fame, and then popular people like Dave Parker and Ken Griffey Sr. and a couple of others. And 75, you have George Brett, you have Robin Yount, you have Freddie Lynn and and Jim Jim Rice Rice and Keith Hernandez. And so you have a much better rookie class in 75. So are we saying there are no rookie combos, four buys, in 74 that none of them made it? None of them are in Hall of Fame. You have some better players, but you're going to have no Hall of Famers in the 74. That's hard to whiff on that, isn't it? Maybe they just weren't there. They whiffed again in 76. Your best players are Ron Guidry and and Willie Randolph. So... It depends who the rookies are and how they're perceived going into. I don't think it's a whiff as much as which players played how much, because in a way, George Brett should have been on a 74 card. Yeah, yeah. I think Robin Young could have been on a 74 card, too. We're, we're talking about guys that could have been on cards, and that would have changed card history in some way. Too. Instead of being five cards apart in 75, four-player rookie cards, would those have been better on a set that's not perceived to be as attractive? As the 75 when they're by themselves on a card? That's an interesting quant. My recollection from 1975 and 74 is that rookie cards, RC, was not really a thing. It wasn't. It really came in toward the later 70s. In 75, I don't think Topps was holding anybody back, or I, I just don't think it was an issue. It really wasn't an issue. They used rookie stars to buttress out their set. As you said, there's no holding back unless somebody didn't sign a contract with them like Maury Wills did for all those years. And I don't remember hearing those issues. So I think it's more just luck of the draw to some extent. I'm going to do an episode in the future about Herb Ross and Donnie Lepore. Oh, you know, Herb yeah. is still around. I And Donnie's around too. And Donnie's around. Yeah. Herb, Herb, I follow Herb on Facebook. Herb is 80-ish? Yeah. And he actively posts on a Brooklyn Dodger. He's active. He's yeah. around. He's amazing. I love seeing his posts on Facebook. At any rate, in 74, it was looking for that superstar, call L&R or yes. whatever their slogan was. But I, as I recall, and I sold them some cards from Texas... So I know it's from here, but I remember they were, they wanted all the Jackie Robinsons, but I don't remember them saying we want that there was no reflection on rookie cards. It wasn't like we want your rookies, but a few years later, Donnie and and they 77, 78, I don't know when the rookie craze came by 79 rookie cards were a thing. I think 77 with Mark Fidrich, because I've, as I point out, Deal, Detroit dealers and the Trader Speaks were paying $3 each on those cards. Yeah. That was his only card. It was his only card. He was a phenomenon. And he's so popular in Detroit, and Detroit was such a big collecting area. Right. Hey, we can sell them at five. We'll pay three to sell them. And you're getting those cards out of the pack. So yeah. that's really the first rookie card that attracted people. And even Eddie Murray in 78 with the great rookie year didn't really attract the interest or anything. It really takes. And then it took Mark Lewis and CCP to really goose that up a little more. CPU, originally. CPU, here. I'm thinking of Richie Schwab. Yeah. Okay. So then 75, they had the minis. Yes, they did. And that was a test issue, but it wasn't that limited of a test. It's, it was only limited geographically. There were lots of cases in those limited geography. And Charles Conlon, who's no longer with us. Who, who covered all the Michigan ones. Covered all the Michigan ones. He built a heck of a collection based right. on, and I think Rob Lifson sold like 25 cases or something when he passed that Conlon was still holding on to them to keep working on getting the next thing for his collection. He built an amazing collection. He built an amazing collection. Without spending a lot of money. With the currency of 75 minis. And he probably, you would think that he released them too early, except when you realize he got a set of Glendale meats yes. out of it and other things that are very difficult. And and heads-ups, the original Gowdy heads-ups, and a lot of stuff like that. And he always had an eye for the really tough stuff. So 75 minis 
put him on the map. He'd never say how many. If he had 25 cases left, I, I guess I'm not surprised, but he always acted like this is, I don't know, this is maybe my last case here. It was the last until, case until, until the until next until one. He brought another one out. And I don't know how he got them in, in the, originally, but he was pretty shrewd. He was a very careful trader. And he didn't do anything capriciously. He, he was very studied. He'd work the deal and think about it. And he, he didn't do anything rash, I don't think. Well, 74 has some really tough test issues. They have the stamps. They have the decal oh, entries. Right. There's some really tough stuff in 74. I think more tough things in 74 than in 75. So good point. Why would that be? Maybe Tops was still trying to find their way. And remember, that's about it for their really tough test issues, too, the yeah. 74. So maybe they realized after how much money they made in 74, hey, why are we doing all of this? Why don't we just stay with... It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Why don't we just stay with a base product that sells and... Especially with the JCPenney demonstration that that there's some untapped demand out there. Even though it took many years again... We do other other channels of Even though it took until 81 for them to do any sort of retail sets again like that. But it was still, we know we, we can do the retail market. We know printing all the cards at the same time makes sense. We know all this. The OPG prints later, but they're paying us. Interestingly, 73 through 76 are complete sets of OPG, but 77 is no longer. We've talked about that, but it was interesting. 74 and 5, and yet 74 OPG is much tougher than 75 OPG. So I'm assuming if somebody walked up to me and says, I've got a 74 set and a 75 set, I'd like to give you one of those, but not both. I'd say, I'll just take the the newer one. Thank you. I'll just take the 75 set. I'm assuming you would too, unless it's a master set. If it's a master set, I would take the 74. Because just with all the variations and it's cool to look through. But in terms of making money, you're better off with with the rookie cards in 75. And there's more demand for the sets. So yes, if it's just the base 660 cards, I'll take 75. But if it's got some of the weirder things involved, 74 is competitive more than people realize. Yeah, But 75 tops minis. Or 75 Opichi baseball complete. 75 minis have more, I think, of a cash than the, than the Opichis. I, and yet Opichis are easier to store. The minis you have to be a little more careful of just because they're actually too small. Do we think there are more 75 minis than there are 75 Opichis? I've seen more 75 minis than OPGs, but I on the other hand, we're not in Canada. We're not in Canada, either. yeah. In Canada, I don't, <laughs> I've been to Canada. Much so have I. 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 I really think that may be the case. I think you're right. And again, people, instead of thinking, what are the values now? What are the values of cards going to be in five years? Five years from now, supply is going to be no more than it is now, unless stuff comes out of the woodwork. But at this point, you'd think supply is pretty constant. Demand, though, could be different. You could have some increased interest in the minis or the Washington National Leagues or the OPG 74s or 75s. If there are, there are not as many of those. There were collector dealers back in the day. They worked with a guy named Bob Tryon is his name. Tryon, yeah. And the last three cards I'm convinced in the Washington National League is 309, I think 364 and 389. Morales, Dave Roberts, I'm trying to remember who the third guy is. Cito Gaston. Yeah. They're, they're, I think they are the toughest ones. But the ones they always needed to complete their sets of Washington was Randy Jones, which was a rookie card too. Well, he, he was a uh, one card number one seventy three. MVP. The he was a Cy Young winner in seventy six, and that was always the one they needed to complete the set. But remember, you got Willie McCovey in there too. They have a future Hall of Famer who was known at the time as a future Hall of Famer. Right. But the one they needed always was Randy Jones. That was always the one they were short of. Hmm. So I'm wondering, was that just a weird quirk or were they trying to put away Randy Jones, Washington National League rookie cards? And yet the Frizz Laban San Diego large print is probably tougher than any of those. 
like I said, I think rookie cards weren't a thing until the later seventies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody was thinking. Yeah. It wasn't even in the vernacular. No, you weren't I, even talk. You might say that's his first card or his oldest card or something, or he was a rookie that year or something. People wanted a fifty-two mantle not because it was or wasn't a rookie card. That just it was, was a tough the, card. It was a tough card. Fifty-two highs were always had that certain something about them. Even when I first started, fifty-two highs were considered unapproachable, and in fact, fifty-twos were almost unapproachable too for a large extent. It makes the seventy-fours, like you say, the end of an era. That yeah. high numbers no longer yeah. uh, had meaning in the sense that. It wasn't tougher to get the higher numbers no. all of a sudden. Even though, like you say, that apparently there was some printing process to where the last two sheets had to be printed differently or later than the first three in 74. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had to go back to press to swap out the Washington National Leaguers. So I'm with you. I think 74, 75, they're both interesting sets. Again, when Tops was the only game in town, the main problem was quality, but that's probably true of the But 70s. I think the printing process was also tougher in those days, too. Well, they had candy. Uh, they had the food and drug requirements for their inks as well as their card stock because it was, <laughs> again, this is crazy to say, but I think cards had to be edible. I think you're right. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a future episode. Yeah. So don't eat the cards. Don't eat the cards. Just to enjoy the cards. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, everybody. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the house.